scripture text tonight comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the word of the Lord. So a young lady uh, reached out to me recently and essentially said, uh, I'm done with church. Um, I, I love Christ. Uh, I have nowhere to talk about the journey that I'm on. I've heard that you won't judge me. Can we talk? And uh, that was not the last email I had like that this week. So hopefully we began the conversation. And as, as I listened to what she was talking about, I, I began to ask, you know, what, um, where are people wrestling with these kind of questions in our culture? Who's, who's trying to help folks walk on this faith journey, you know, whether you call it deconstruction, reconstruction, or whatever you want to call it? And so, of course, I went into the podcast world for a while. And, uh, of course, there's a number of podcasts where folks are kind of working on this. A couple of the names that I found, Exvangelicals. Uh, nomad, liturgist, holy heretics, the deconstructionist podcast. Uh, a really good article I thought uh, was from Relevant Magazine: How to Deconstruct Your Faith Without Losing It. And I would say, you know, about a third of our church uh, listens online. And I would say, if you are listening online tonight, if you are in a place where as we've said, you're taking things off the flannel graph board and trying to figure out how to put it back together again. And maybe you don't feel like you can be here tonight. Um, you're still part of our family. Uh, please reach out to me, and uh, I'll try to give you some resources to help, help you on your way. Honestly, it was pretty hard to listen to these uh, podcasts um, as a man who's given his life to the church. Um, some of them were stories about leaving faith and how do you find life after God. Some of them were about trying to put faith back together again. Um, a lot of them were just real angry. Boy, it, was, uh, it just broke my heart uh, to hear the level of anger and frustration and hurt. Um, a common theme was how preachers had used the Bible to shame them uh, and how the scriptures that were intended to give life uh, actually created kind of a distorted world where the Bible's teachings didn't really help them. It created a lot of internal pain instead. And I thought about that as we uh, started to work on this text for tonight, because this is a verse, a friend of mine said, I've been verse slapped by that. And I think, I think that means somebody kind of throws it at you and it, it doesn't particularly help. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And, you know, just kind of when you're suffering, hey, the Bible says give thanks. You know, it's not always that, that helpful. Um, and, you know, there... Let's, let's acknowledge that there is, a, there is a teaching within the Christian church that I, I need to acknowledge. It's a very 
powerful stream and you may hold to it and I respect your right to hold to it. it it's a, it's a, a strand of teaching that gives tremendous emphasis to the sovereignty and the power of God and the, the, that approach uh, believes that God is so sovereign and so powerful that he causes everything and then uses it for good. So uh, God, in, in this view of theology, is that, that God in a mysterious providence caused the Pittsburgh synagogue shootings, caused Danscape Roth's cancer, caused the political division in our country to ultimately give him, him glory and praise in his sovereign mystery. And uh, I understand uh, the foundation for that view of God's sovereignty. Um, uh, I appreciate its desire to glorify God and celebrate his power. Uh, and I, it's fine with me if, if that's where you are. Uh, I, I have come to, uh, to, to reject that. Uh, I don't think this passage is saying that we should give thanks for any circumstance that comes into our life, uh, no matter how, how evil it is. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's the God I find in Scripture. We were talking about this in the men's group on Friday. And by the way, radical move here. We opened it up to people under 50. Um, so if you want to come, 1215, brown bag, library upstairs. And so... We're talking about this, and, and you know, those of you that have been here a while, one of our stories, um, Dan uh, is, in our, is in our group, and his father was murdered, and uh, that's been a big part of his story and his healing, and, and he, 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 is, this, is this for saying, thank God for the two men that came into my dad's grocery store and shot him dead and left him to bleed out and in the next 11 years I'm in court thank God for that can't go there Um, one reason why is that this little text says thank give thanks in all circumstances not for all circumstances when you take Greek in, in the seminary you pay a lot of attention to prepositions and the Greek uh, preposition for in, uh, epsilon nu, is very different than the Greek preposition for uh, for, which is uh, gar. Um, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> why do I? Who, who knows? Who cares? Um, but, but what does matter is the Greek preposition in means within or among. So what Paul seems to be saying here is Give thanks within the circumstances you find yourself in. Uh, if you've ever studied the book of Thessalonians, you, you may know it was written in like 51. It's probably the earliest letter we have in the New Testament, long before the Gospels actually. Uh, there was a lot of strife in the church between Jew and Gentile. There was tremendous, tremendous political tension in the culture. Uh, this was a time when... Uh, uh, the Caesars were declaring themselves to be divine and asking people to worship them. This was the time when all the Jews were, were sent out of Rome on one of the first pogroms. Uh, Nero was to come to power three years later. So you can pick this up when you read Thessalonians because there's these long cryptic passages where ta- Paul talks about 
the age of lawlessness and the man of Satan. And, you know, and he's answering all these questions about the second coming because his readers are saying, I got to get out of here. Um, so th- this is not written to a happy, clappy church. Um, it's written to people who are suffering in a lot of pain. And he says, I want you to learn how to give thanks uh, within your circumstances. Uh, my daughter Ashton's in New York City trying to become an actress, and so she texts this morning. She says, uh, family, um, guy followed me home last night, and he moved up next to me on the 7 train, tried to get away from him, I took another train, he followed me on another train, and uh, finally I uh, got a, a guy, and I said, I'm scared that you walk me home, and he walked me home, didn't have my mace because it lost it in the airport. I, I don't thank God that someone tried to sexually abuse my daughter last night. Um, but I, there is much to be thankful for in the midst of that. With, <coughs> excuse me. The Greek verb is for give thanks is eucharisto, eucharist. The noun form is, uh, means gratitude. And it's something we choose to do. And I think this is important. Uh, whenever you are in any kind of a circumstance, particularly a suffering circumstance, you make a choice about whether you will be angry <clears throat> or thankful. You, you have the power to choose that. You can't choose the circumstance. The choice you make determines the level of peace that you enjoy. Well, so let's think a little bit. What, what could this possibly mean? When a circumstance that we don't want, what might we actually give thanks for? Well, first of all, we can thank God for the ways he's working in a bad situation. Uh, A friend sent a post, a Facebook post today from a seminary professor, has a 30-year-old son with a rare genetic disease that's terminal. Five trips to Mayo Clinic, hundreds of other appointments have not been able to diagnose him. And the beginning of the post talks about just what it's like to have a son who's that sick and the challenges, how much he loves his son and how much he hopes for healing. And then he concludes his post with these words. He says, Schuyler will not understand until he stands with the Lord how miraculous and provocative his life on this earth has been. He has no idea how often he has provoked me to spend time with God whether arguing or praising him. He'll never know how many conversations that he's sparked, how many people that he's caused to see themselves for who they are when they are disarmed. We're continuing to build our medical team in Tennessee, and I feel good about the physicians, and I wonder what influence that Schuyler will have in their lives. So one of the things you can give thanks for in a terrible situation is the way that the situation is creating opportunities for God to work. We can also thank God that we're not alone in our suffering. Um, Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Um, the, the, the most painful podcast I listened to this week was uh, recorded at a bookstore in Chicago, and it was uh, about five think younger people, and they call it the Unapologetics Tour. And uh, 
they were going around the country um, talking about their loss of faith. And um, there were five different people who shared at different times. And I started to listen to it, and the second speaker was the most angry uh, person I'd, I'd ever heard speak. So I turned it off. I said, you know, I, I just don't need this. Um, and then I just sensed the spirit say, yeah, actually you do. Um, so I turned it back on and uh, listened to about an hour, hour and a half, some of the most painful stories about how people have been hurt by the church. And at the end, they began to talk about how they lost their faith. And one of the common themes was suffering. You know, how, how could a good God who's all-powerful, allow the suffering that we see in the world? Um, and that's a valid question. It's an age-old question. But that one, I, I actually think we can think about. Um, some of the answers are just mysteries we can't know. But I think a lot of this comes down to how you think about how the power of God works in the world. Um, the scriptures, as I read them, describe a world with chaos in it with contingency, with risk, with freedoms created for people in the image of God, that God's plans can be thwarted by those freedoms. I think that's what Genesis 1 and 2 is about. I mean, Jesus even says that the enemy is somehow reigning in the world right now. And Paul talks about lawlessness. So the Bible, as I read it, presents a wonderful, loving, powerful God, but not in the sense of a mechanistic, controlling deity that just pulls strings, but creating loving beings in a broken world and then incarnating into that world to be present with his creatures in their pain. That's the God that I, I know. I've been around a lot of hospital beds where God, for some reason, has not chosen to miraculously heal the person, but there's just this incredible comforting presence around the room. There's love. There's God. And I think we can give thanks for God being with us in the midst of our suffering. I also think we can give thanks... um, in bad circumstances, because the Bible says that suffering produces godly character. Now, one thing that psychologists and philosophers who talk about suffering agree on is if suffering has some element of meaning, it makes it easier to endure. And the Bible does teach that there is meaning in suffering. Romans 8.28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called for his purpose. Well, what's the purpose? Romans 5.2. We rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces character, character, hope. Hope does not put to shame. So when we suffer, we can give thanks that God is using it to grow our character. Uh, my daughter Ashton has been in New York now two years. Uh, it's a rough, rough world to try to be a an actress in. It's really been hard. We've been talking about it on the phone. She's, she's, it's been tough. And then what happened last night really shook her up. And um, so I texted her this morning. I said, um, I must say, I'm very proud of how you handled the situation. You showed maturity and grace under pressure. 
I don't know much about acting, but I know something about spiritual growth. I see you growing in many ways during these tough years in New York City. So, you know, I'd rather she be killing it on Broadway and, you know, all that. But I thank God what he's doing in her character. I think the rest of her life she'll look back at these years and really thank God for them. Physical things are hard for me to give thanks for. Uh, I think flags should be flown at half-mast when I have a cold. Um, so, uh, so I've had a cough now for five weeks. And uh, I go into, the, go into the doctor Wednesday, and uh, he says, tell me you didn't swim this morning. And I said, well, yeah, I did. And he said, you have pneumonia. And he says, that's dumb. Well, he does an x-ray, and it's, it's more bronchitis, but um, I'm on antibiotics. I won't make you sick. Um, and I have really struggled to give thanks in this. And one of the reasons why is one of the things I enjoy most in the world is to swim. I swim three mornings a week. Normally, tomorrow morning at 4.45, I get up. I go to the pool. We have a really hard 75-minute practice. Mondays are distance day. We swim 4,000 yards. It's really painful. The reason why I like the pain is because I stop thinking about you for an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> and I feel cleansed and refreshed. And it's my best way to deal with stress. And now I, he said I could do grandpa walking. And so that means, you know, I go to the wall and I shuffle around and, you know, buy a, buy a bagel or something. So... So I was fussing at him about this, and he just started to expose this demanding spirit in me. I deserve to be well, you know. I have a right to do this. Oof. It's ugly. So I don't thank God for being sick, but I thank God that he's exposing some character flaws in me uh, while I am sick. We can also thank God because suffering helps us know God better. Um, A counselor, Larry Crabb, says that suffering creates space for God. 1 Peter 1.6 In this you rejoice, though now for a little while you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes through fire, may be found to the praise of your glory. So I was thinking about this one recently, and I just, just went through something personally that was painful and confusing, and I really thought God was doing something, and at the end it felt like he pulled the rug out from me, and um, uh, I've been really mad at him. And I've told him that, we're working it through, he's going to be okay, he's going to be okay. <laughs> Um, and yet looking back over this wrestling match we've had boy I've had some great times with God (laughs) matter of fact even though I'm not pleased with him um, I feel very close to him right now very close to him right now and so I can thank God that this problem has helped me know him better Well, we can also thank God, finally, because difficult circumstances...
can deepen our relationships with people we go through them with. You know, think about who you're closest with. It's the people that you've gone through the hardest stuff with. And Paul felt that way about the Thessalonians. If you read in the book of Acts, it was not an easy church plant. And there was a lot of pain, a lot of tears, and a lot of persecution. And so he writes them. It's maybe his warmest letter. He says, Since we were torn away from you, brothers, we endeavored more eagerly to see you face to face. We wanted to come to you. I, again and again, for what is our hope and our joy or our crown of boasting before Jesus that is coming? Isn't it you? (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? But that, that comes from suffering together. So one of the things that we can give thanks for is the way God uses pain to draw us closer in community. I did want to address a question that came up, um, that can come up with a text like this. Um, Can't the Bible be used by people in power to keep the oppressed from not complaining? (laughs) Have you ever heard that one? Um, Then you should listen to more of these podcasts. Um, It's a good question. The Bible often is criticized as a book that elites use to uh, keep the people under them from trying to change their circumstance. And so there is this theme in Scripture of, look, you can't change this. Be patient. Praise God. Thank Him in the midst of it. Um, And one of the things we need to realize about in the first century world, there was zero social mobility the whole culture was fixed. The, the Roman state seemed eternal. They even called it eternal. Um, the early believers had low socioeconomic power. And their circumstances were not going to change much. And so a lot of it was like writing to people in prison who have no options and no, very few choices and telling them how to cope with that. But there's also this theme in Scripture that we might call the redemptive arc. It begins in the prophets. It comes in Christ's preaching of the kingdom. You know, this vision of the kingdom of God breaking through. Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And then that's like dropped like a bombshell into the world. In the last 2,000 years, that redemptive arc has been moving more and more into the world and more and more freedom. Where do hospitals come from? Where did orphanages come from? Where did education come from? Where um, did the slavery, the people that first overturned slavery in England come from? The church. And so you've got these two themes in Scripture all the time. Be content in your circumstances. Go out in the world and change it. So I think we need to remember both of those. You know, the, the, the one podcast I mentioned um, has really kind of lived with me for, for a while. And, you know, as each person got up and shared how they'd been hurt, and, uh, shamed, and all these things, I, uh, well, one, I just felt very sorry because I've been a pastor 31 years. And uh, I'm sure there are people in the churches that I've pastored that feel that way today. Uh, so I do feel you know, like in a way that I've let them down or we've let them down. Um, but as I kept listening, I, I, one of the reasons why I did was I wanted to hear their vision. 
you know, okay, okay, so you've torn this down. How are you making meaning now? Where are you finding hope? How, what are you rebuilding? You know, that old farmer's parable that any donkey can tear down a it takes someone with skill to rebuild it. So I kept waiting for, so this is where we're going. Come join us. And the last minute of the podcast, the guy says, ah, we're done. Going out for a beer. Anybody want to come? I just was overcome with sadness to, to think of 12 people in a bookstore united only by their hatred for the church going out for a beer. And, and I guess I, I was I just was very thankful for, for you because I'd like to think we're trying to be a community where people like the dear ones on that podcast can stay around and and be angry uh, and not quit. You know, I, I don't mean this over dramatically, but sometimes I feel like All Souls is the last stop on the way out. <laughs> I talk to so many people that, you know, I'm just rethinking it. I'm hurt. I'm broken. I'm going to try here, and if this doesn't work, I'm done. And when, when I think about our future together, I'm, I'm so thankful that we seem to be a people that are, are trying to create a safe space where, like, people on the podcast can be a part. I really think that may be part of our of our work together going forward. But and I'll end with this, and I, I, I don't know how to say it. I'll just try to be honest. Um, it's, it's a really hard way to be a church. God used me to build a church on certainty. It's a lot easier. And when you're trying to create a container for people that don't know what they believe about God or whether they can hang in there or they're so mad at you that they don't even want to be in the same room with you or their sexuality feels so shame, all these things, you're trying to create a container where they're all welcome. Sometimes I don't know how you keep the lights on. Because the last thing you want to say to a person who's rethinking their faith is, hey, can you give a check? Can you go serve the kids? You know, can you lead a small... You can't. No, you can't say that. And I'm more and more aware that every time I stand up here, there's about 100 people that are out there that are also part of this conversation and they're listening, but they're not here. So... I guess my plea, and I've gone way off the script at this point, but those of you that can buy into this, if you've bought into this idea of creating a container 
for the five angry, wounded people in the Chicago bookstore. If you care about that, can, and if you're healthy enough, can you help us? I mean, just like with your money, with your time, with your prayers, can you, because this is not easy. And I'll end, I'll end with, with, with this. Sandy and I were taking a walk today, and I, you know, I, I said, honey, I really think this is where God's calling us. I think this is part of our mission. I can't tell you how many times a week someone calls and says, I need help putting my faith back together again, and I'm not sure I can come to church. I think that's a big part of who we are. But that is not how you grow a church. (laughs) That's the wrong market, friends. And the cultural headwinds against the church in the secular world are very strong. And as we go forward, we're we're going right into the wind. So I more and more feel like a, a mission church, an outpost on the edge on the frontier. Uh, honestly, I feel a million miles away from West Knoxville. I live in West Knoxville. But I mean spiritually, I just feel a million miles away. And that's not good or bad, but that just means there's a whole different metric of, of how you think about what church is. So um, let's pray.